4: Hey, I'm Trent Rush. This
1: is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels, six and 66ers baseball. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. I'm Tori. Hunter
4: Jr. If you're listening to the All Angels Podcast.
5: What is up? It is your boy, Johnny Mags joined as always with Daniel Garcia. We're back for another edition of the All Angels Podcast, uh, off season edition. Uh, today, this morning, we have. Uh, a special guest on today, so we'll get we'll get straight to it. We have none other than the incomparable Mark Gubiza. Mark Gooby, how you doing this morning?
1: Hey Johnny Danny. what's going on, fellas?
4: How you doing? So I want to start with you talking about your 2020 season. How different was it? Where it, it, Angels are home, you are you know broadcasting in the empty stadium, and then when they're on the road, your guys, you and Victor, are in your little compound. How how different was twenty twenty for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, when you, when we first started up, it was definitely. I think it all started even with those preseason games we did with the you know the Dodgers and the in the Padres. So it kind of got you used to it. But the first time doing the game at at, the, at home at the Angel Stadium and with no one there, and it, it felt odd. And then doing a the game right away in our trailer we had in our compound was even more, you know, odd or weird, whatever way you want to put it. But after we did those games, I mean, from that point forward, it was you just kind of got into your natural mode and tried to bring as much excitement as possible to the game and and not, you know, complain about not being, you know, not having the fans there or complain about being in the trailer because our job was to try to make everyone feel at ease during this very difficult time, try to bring the best broadcast possible I mean there was times, especially on the road because you're used to first of all have an interaction with the players and, and, and Joe Madden and the coaching staff just to get little nuggets to get you prepared for the game or just being out on the field just like a player you're getting yourself pumped up for the game but that you know that wasn't the case but you had to find different ways to get your mind going you're, you know you're either researching more or you know you're obviously doing the entire game off the monitor which you know on TV side that's what you basically do anyhow Radio sides, you know, for Terry and Marcus, it would probably even more difficult for them to do because they're used to looking at it on the field and trying to paint that picture for people listening in on the radio. But on the TV side, you basically you're seeing what's going on in the action and then try to explain why that happened. So that that part was somewhat normal, but you know, just relying and hoping you're making all the right decisions on you know base hits or fly balls or if that things were going to be fair because you're not there necessarily to be able to see. know the baseball going down towards line a baseball hit is it going out of the ballpark or is it going to be a deep fly those things you know came into play on occasion but i don't think most people from all my interaction on social media didn't even realize forever that we were even not there on the road games which is part of the plan is make it as relaxing as normal as possible
5: yeah you know on you know as daniel and i watching the games on tv as fans you know uh we're, we 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 know the the energy that we can bring to a game when we go to a game you know and uh, I think you guys did a good job this year of of kind of relaying uh some sort of energy to us you know although there's no fans there so my question really is how important really is the energy from the fans like did you you know you as a player obviously know how that feels but as now you know entering how many years have you been on the broadcast side now you know uh, entering, you know, this season with no fans, how important really is the energy? Is is that something that maybe we all took for granted before the season?
1: Uh, you know, this is my fourteenth year of doing this, and just you know, from the moment, I drive into the stadium and, and talk to you know the people working there, which I didn't run into this year, which was it was hard because it was everyone, men and women, were so excited that the game was going to happen that day. All right, so then you walk into the stadium. You know, you get prepared, you you watch batting practice down in the dugout, talk to the guys, and you work your way up to, you know, the booth. And in that point, you're interacting with fans. So you're you're getting – I mean, for me, it was great. And I don't know if you probably saw me over the years, even when I'm leaving games, interacting and talking with fans on the way out of the stadium. That that, that part really hurt this year, not doing that. Because, you know, I drew a lot of energy from them, good or bad. Because, you know, I felt bad – when a team lost and, and, and when you run into fans, how it hurt them as well. You really feel that. And and even during the course of the game when, you know, there's a rally going and you're looking in, in down below us and you see the fans are across from us and on our level, the 300 level, and they're getting excited. You get excited as a person. And not seeing that, even talking to Trouty and a number of the players, you know, via Zoom or text, it was so hard for them not having the fans. At home or even on the road, because usually if you're trying to go in the outfield and you struck out against you know a pitcher you know from the Astros, and you're going out there to center field, they're going to have somebody going to give you some grease that motivates you. Mm-hmm. Or if you you know had a good swing and you go out to center field, he always throws that last you know and when he's playing catch, oh, yeah, he the throws ball. the last baseball out into the stands in right center field, and right. lo and behold, he's pumped up again. So that that was really hard for players. Uh, you know, and and like I said, I, I fed off a lot of good vibes from the fans going going in and out of the stadium on a consistent basis.
4: As a fan, there was a lot of things that happened this year on the field that, you know, we wish the Angel fans could have been a part of, whether it was, you know, Trout passing Salmon's all-time home run or, uh, you know, Pujols' chase for 660. But, you know, you were there, you saw, you called those moments. Which moment for you was your favorite calling uh, this season?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Daniel. Uh, the Trouty thing was so much fun because a lot of build-up. Having Tim Salmon there, obviously, was pretty cool. And, and being a friend of Tim's for years and years, because being a teammate with him back in '97, that long ago, that uh, that was fun. But I, I just love the history of the game. First, seeing Albert tie Willie Mays on the road, and then breaking it at home, and you know, because you know Albert. Albert's all business. He's he's up there, hits a home run, runs around the bases. He's ready for his next at bat, but that that smile he had on his face, and our our camera guys caught that really well, and the excitement for his teammates in the dugout—that was probably the coolest thing. I mean, you could put Justin up and hit his 300th home run. I mean, some of the swings that David Fletcher had, a couple pitches over his head, he got hits for. Uh, you know, and Anderson Simmons doing his stuff in the field. There were so many really cool moments that I'm still I'm still sitting back here. I'm still shocked that the Angels aren't playing in the postseason right now. You know, the way especially the, way the format of the playoffs were set up and, and looking at some of the teams that were in the postseason, in my mind the Angels would have beat a number of those teams in the postseason, but it didn't happen. You know, we can't you know, dwell on that. But there was some really special moments. But I still gotta go with Albert probably just because of Willie Mays. I mean you're you're talking about probably the best all around player in the game and and Albert passed them by and that was pretty cool to see that.
4: One thing I really liked what you guys did with um Trout passing Salmon was having him yeah. kind of in on the broadcast during mm-hmm. the at-bats of uh, Trout during that time and just you know and you guys having fun with him and then you you guys showed a little fist pump on that one game where mm-hmm. his last at-bat and I think he hilarious. like he fight out or whatever uh, I think that was a really funny you know kind of a, a way of showing what's going on uh, whose idea was it to have Salmon on the broadcast while uh, Trout was up
1: yeah, we were all talking about that because you know because he was over two boots away from us, and uh, I'm looking at his reaction. So we're talking to our producer and director, going, "Hey, that'd be cool to have Fish on there just just to give a perspective what it's like." Because anybody who's played in an organization for a long period of time, when you own a record, and that's a pretty special record, that as much as you love your you know what's going on with uh, Trouty and stuff like that. It's pretty special that you have a record for that long I mean I had a the strikeout record in in a, in a game for the Royals for a, a ton of years mm-hmm. at 14 and then you know when I found that Zach Greinke passed it I was like I was bummed he <laughs> struck out 15 and eventually I think Danny Duffy broke his record as well ended up with 16. You, you know as much as you you know you love to see what players are doing it's it's like a part of you so you know it was a part of Tim Salmon that I mean, when you look back over the years, there's been some incredible names that have put on an angel uniform. I mean, incredible players from, you know, from Reggie Jackson, Frank Robinson, Bobby Bonds. I mean, so many unbelievable players. And then you've had the home run wreck, Brian Downing, and he passed them by, you know, Tim Salmon, and they have that for a long, long, long period of time, even though you know in this day and age, way you know baseballs are flying out, you think it's got, somebody's going to pass you, but guys move on so often from. Team to team, that records can stand for a long, long time as well. So, I, I you always want to keep a record like that. But I think because of the way Mike Trout is and the person he is, when that happened and, and having him live on all those events was pretty cool. And, and just to have his perspective and, and and because he fought every single time in the batter's box, just like Mike Trout. So it was pretty cool to see that. And it was funny because after Trouty hit that home run, he was looking up at me, and I'm like. Screaming over to Tim, he's trying to say something to you, and then Tim looked over at me, and I said, "I'm, I'm pointing down." and go, and then that that exchange was incredible. I thought between yeah. Proud and, and Salmon, that was really really cool. One of those moments that made you feel great to be a baseball fan.
5: Yeah, so Tim Salmon, uh, I, as, as Daniel knows and the listeners here know, is my favorite baseball player of all time. From uh, the first guy that I remember. His first at bat and his last at bat, you know, so watching, uh, Trout break his record was a little heartbreaking for me, per, kind of personally, cause Tim Salmon, like, no one can, like, he's my guy, you know, so well, I wore 15 in high school and college and everything, so, cause of Tim, but, um, if you, when you look at that all time Angels home run leader list, how, and, and it, you know, incorporating Albert Pujols in there now, how crazy is it that Albert Pujols is, up there on that Angels home run list, and that's in that period of time. I mean, when you Short think of, of time. you think of that Angel home run list, you think of guys like Brian Downing, Garrett Anderson, Tim Salmon. But Albert Pujols is up there on that all time Angels home run list. Um, so my question to you is, uh, what do you think Albert Pujols' legacy with the Angels is going to be? How, how will Angel fans remember him?
1: Yeah, you know, that's another great question there too, Johnny. I, I think for me, I would love to see. Fans embrace Albert even more so because you're, you're you're looking right now. You know, you everyone's gonna say, "Well, ten-year contract." They didn't win a World Series during that stretch. They only made the playoffs really that one year in 2014. That in that year, they by the way, they should have won the World Series, but they ran into Kansas City, and there was just some crazy things that didn't work out for them that year. But I mean, you know, he got his 500th home run here with the Angels, 600th home run in the career. He passes Willie Mays in an Angel uniform. 3,000 hits in an angel uniform, 2,000 RBIs now over that, 2,100 now in an angel uniform. Phenomenal milestones. But I think if everyone realized how hard he works every day, I mean, his, you know dealing with some of the leg issues and foot issues, that most players would have just tapped out and said, you know, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on to, you know, the, at that point it was a DL, then the IL. He went out and played and worked out every day. And that, I think part of the reason why Trout's as good as he is is because he watches – it observes how much work that Albert puts in every single day so I, I think in the end here you know whether it's one more year with Albert and or if he gets closer to 700 home runs I don't know how anybody can let him go it'll be cool to see him get 700 home runs in an angel uniform But I think everyone's going to sit back and and not be so upset about the length of the contract which is still when you look at other contracts and other players that has been way worse than what it's turned out for for Albert but just to sit back and go, Man, we, we we witnessed one of the greatest players ever. You can make an argument one of the greatest right-handed hitters ever. He even look, if you look at his numbers and compare them from his first ten years in the major leagues to Trouty's first ten years, Albert's a little better. Yeah, that's, and, it, crazy. and it's hard to believe yeah. that, but it, but he's better.
4: Yeah, I, I know uh, they they shown that one time like on a split screen on the TV, and I was just you know Albert being the NL early in his career uh and then me always kind of being an angel fan being an L- al guy I just never realized that, and that was absolutely crazy to see the splits um you know from the same age gap as trout so now kind of going forward now the pitching obviously angel fans uh know the the troubles the pitching staff had this last year how much do you think it was to do with you know you you're building up in spring training COVID happens you shut down completely and then now you have the summer camp, and, and it's pretty quick summer camp to get back into shape. How much do you think that affected um, pitchers when it came to uh, getting back on the mound and performing at a high level?
1: It, it was huge, but, you know, we also got to realize the other 29 teams were dealing with the same thing also, but I think with this particular staff, they didn't really get an opportunity to continue what they were working on in spring training with Mickey Callaway, who I think is, is a fantastic pitching coach. And, and what I saw on spring, because I was down there for – about four or five days before they closed down camps, that, man, these guys were all biting into everything he was saying. They were getting ahead of the count. They were, you know, throwing first-pitch strikes. They were finishing off hitters. They weren't afraid to use their fastball. They weren't afraid to pitch the contact. And I think he was the big reason why Dylan Bundy was one of the best pitchers in baseball. He was excellent this, this past season. You know, there was times when Andrew Heaney was really, really good this year. But, uh, you know, I think it comes a time now for, for this organization is – And I've I've preached it a lot. I felt, hey, the right thing's got to go their way as far as their pitching staff. You know, Shohei Ohtani pitches two games. I thought with him being available, I think he was the biggest reason why, I mean, this whole, you know, abbreviated rush summer camp hurt him because he never really faced any teams. And lo and behold, right away you're facing the A's. And then your command goes away, you're overthrown, and then your elbow starts bothering you. I I think it hurt him a lot and not having him – Available to pitch this entire season completely changed the dynamics of the pitching staff. Uh, Jaime Brea showed some pretty good signs of throwing the ball well. I liked what I saw from him, but you know, there was, I think you have to going forward. We can't just go. We hope these guys do well. I think you got to address the pitching staff, and you better have, as we see now in the playoffs, you better have one guy that you can guarantee you're going to win that day. Whether you know you Garrett Cole was that for the Yankees or. Glass now, you know, started that game. Well, granted, he only went into the third inning. But every team you look in the postseason, for the most part, Clayton Kershaw, all those guys, you have to have an ace, and, and that has to be done and addressed this off-season by the Angels. And there's no more hoping that you know the five guys do well. You need somebody that sets the tone, whether that's you know a Trevor Bauer-type pitcher or not, or you make a trade or bring a Marcus Stroman in. Anybody, you have to bring in a very deep consistent staff where you don't expose your bullpen to throw so many pitches, so many innings that it taxes them so quickly in the season and you end up not being as good as you're supposed to be.
5: Yeah, you know, we Daniel and I have been talking about how the Angels rotation for a while now has always been built on promise, on hope, on, on, on expectations. Like, oh, you know, this guy, if he can reach this caliber, oh, this is going to be amazing. But I think you nailed it on the head now. We've been, you know, the time now is how how much longer are we going to bank on these guys to you know uh, reach that level? So with that being said, is Otani are the Angels looking at Otani as the maybe number two, number three guy, or moving forward? Are they are the Angels saying, "All right, let's see what we can get out of him"?
1: Yeah, I mean that's you know at this time of the year, obviously the way everything's going, you're still really disconnected from the players and. And even members of the, of the, you know, the coaching staff and the medical staff, as far as getting information about how well he's doing. I don't know if that affected his swing this year. I mean, he took a, a lot of, quite a few steps back as far as batting this year as well. Uh, he's still one of the most dynamic players we may ever see with what he can do. I thought in a sixty-game schedule, and I even picked him. I thought he, I thought he was going to be the MVP of the American League because he was. I felt he was going to win five games and hit 12 to 15 home runs. And I'm saying, how could any player be more valuable than that? And, you know, he had, he had, what, seven home runs, and he pitched two games, period, and he threw a total what, two and a third or whatever it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that didn't turn out to be the case. If he's anywhere near what he was at 18, pitching and hitting, then then you have something that's it's phenomenal. But if you have to deal with, you know, the back and forth of, of like you had this season, I don't I don't think you can you know count necessarily right now going into the off season into you know getting ready for spring training at some point and say, okay, he's our number two number three or number one guy in your staff. He'll be a supplemental guy around there, and if he's doing what he can do, well, then we are a way better team. And I anticipate him being completely healthy and, I, and that makes this team that much better. it means you're a a contender for the championship, not just to get to the postseason but a championship if he's able to do what he's doing. But I don't I don't think you can bank on him right now saying he's our guy in a two- or three-spot in your rotation because you don't know. That's why you have to make tough decisions. Uh, and it also means whoever the new GM is going to be is going to have to potentially trade a player or two that we all love to make sure you get a couple of those arms because pitching is absolutely mandatory to get this off season.
4: You kind of mentioned it. If, if we get the Otani that was there during – uh, his rookie year that won him rookie of the year then that's great that that helps the Angels uh, immensely but do because of the injuries and, and kind of this whole experiment you know obviously Otani's kind of one of a kind how much longer do you feel comfortable with the experiment of a two-way player and these injuries popping up compared to like okay if it doesn't work in the next two years you know we gotta concentrate on one side or the other how long do you think that, that leash is?
1: I... I... I think it comes down to what when when they ask Shohei Otani, what do you want to do? Do you want to pitch? Do you want to hit? Do you want to do both? And if he's confident and saying I want to do both, well then I say he's doing both. But if he's saying I'm you know I'm kind of leaning towards one or the other, then you go that route I think, and you know that that changes everything up. And you know because as a manager, you know you're a pencil in every seven days or whatever it was going to be. I think now that he's been in you know, playing in M L B for this long now that I think if he's ready to pitch, I think he's ready to pitch on a normal five man rotation day. I mean, just like every other team does where every player, every pitcher I should say, is used to that. It's not easy all of a sudden when you go that extra day's breath or your routines change up when you come from another ball club and all of a sudden you have a six man rotation. I think that's part of the you know, it'll be part of the equation as well. We gotta get him to be doing everything like everyone else is going to do. I know you want to get his bat in there, you know, those couple days in between starts, but whatever he's more valuable at that moment, that's where you're going to push for. And Like I said, I, everything I've talked and heard from, he wants to do both still, and, and I, I still have trust in that, but you got to put together a full season and stay healthy because you're, you're forcing a club to make some t- difficult decisions as far as adding on players, whether it's a position player or a pitcher, as you wait for that phenomenon to get back into place, what we saw for a number of starts and and at-bats in 18.
5: Yes, uh, sticking with the pitching staff, let's talk about the bullpen real quick. Uh, Daniel and I, before the season, we talked with Rhett Bollinger from MLB.com, the beat writer for the Angels. We talked with him over in spring training. We were actually all very excited with the uh, back end of the bullpen with the you know Middleton, Buttrey, Robles. Obviously, this season... I guess you can say they underachieved. Uh, what do you att- what do you attribute that to? Do you think it was like like Daniel mentioned? Was it the COVID thing, or do you think just what wasn't clicking for the back end of that bullpen this season?
1: Yeah, I thought that. I was saying that's a three headed monster. I mean, once the Angels have a lead in the seventh inning, it, it is over with with those three guys, power arms. It was over, but lo and behold, they uh, you know they didn't do their job, and you know Ty Butcher, I think it still has you know, a hangover effect from how much he got up and through you know, the year before, especially that first half where he was as good as any pitcher in all of baseball. But, you know, and then Hansa Robles, 23 saves the year before, and then all of a sudden you look up, the velocity was down somewhat. Now, I think part of it is they, those guys didn't compete against anybody in a different uniform, really, if you look outside of those last three days. Akina Middleton, I thought – you know, watching some of his games in spring training, even summer camp, he was throwing 97, 98, 99. His change-up looked great. Yeah. Everything looked excellent. And boom. And then you see, you know, not the results you, you'd hoped for. So I think part of it was is the rushed get ready thing. But I, I go back to a lot of other teams did the same thing, and, and yet they were there. But so I think they got to step back and look, what do I got to do to be better? Because they all have the arms. And they all have the, the, the attitude and then toughness to be in those points of the game, that seventh, eighth, and ninth inning where the game is on the line. But you got to go out there and perform. And just like a kicker in football, it's all about confidence. And when you lose confidence as a, as a reliever, boy, every pitch you throw, because you're, the game is on the line, it's stress and you don't have confidence. Things don't work out well. But Mike Myers to end up being a really big piece down in that bullpen. I was really happy to see that. And he, for me, he's taken a huge step forward as far as his yeah. progress in his career. That he should be certainly a big part of this bullpen going forward.
5: Uh, do you feel that the Angels need to make any drastic changes as far as the bullpen is concerned? I know, you know, with with the three guys that we have, the potentials there. But you know, are they gonna? Are they? Do you think that they should really? focus on a bullpen arm, or do you think that the guys that they have now, like a Myers, can step in there and these three guys can bounce back next season?
1: I think every club generally will do some, you know, messing around with their bullpens and adding guys, Uh, so that's definitely something they have to do, and, you know, Justin Anderson could be back at some point next year, I love his arm, I've always have, you know, he had the Tommy John surgery, I don't know when that allows him to get back and competing, Uh, but, uh yeah, there's going to have to be arms. Like I said, pitching is going to be the important thing. You got to add starting pitching. You got to add another a couple, maybe an arm or two, down in your book, down in your bullpen. Bookter, I thought was going to be a big piece. That didn't work out. I don't know if that had to do with the COVID situation as well. The summer camp scenario. Why he didn't perform is kind of shocking because he's put up some really good numbers in his career. Ends up, you know, up with the Yankees at the end of the year, but. Uh, there was, there's was some things you have to work out. Guys have to go out there, and, and their work ethic is always good. And from what I could see from where I put that third level in the booth, I'm out there a, down there on the field like I normally would be and having a conversation with these guys. But um, I think it's there, but I still think you can't wait and hope for potential to you know blossom. I think you got to think about winning. You can't allow another postseason where you don't have trial playing. I'm, I'm That's Bottom line, you can't have another off-season baseball can, and Angel fans don't deserve not seeing him in the postseason because guys like him, if you see him perform like Acuna has done with the Braves or Bellinger making that play over the wall, you know guys that are you know stars go to that next level because now it's it's at a moment where other people are watching games, not just our our fan base, but the rest of the country seeing how great Trout is. He needs to be in that games. He needs to be in those games, and he needs to be in the World Series. So you have to do you know, drastic things to make sure that happens, and it might be painful for all of us. with Some of our guys that we, we really like and love wearing an angel uniform, if that means they're going to be moved on or asked to do something a little bit more or different for the team, anything that needs to be done to win has to be done.
4: Yeah, I think I really agree with you completely. You know, the drought, the, the playoff drought looked really fun. Like the Padres finished their, or got into the...
0: Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only fourteen ninety five dollars 95 at Byte.com. Bite clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed.
2: The
4: for the first time in, in you know many years, and to see that kind of community rally behind it, you're like you could, you want that for your your team too. So uh, definitely, really hoping for the Angels to make some moves this offseason and bringing in uh, arms. But one thing I've always said too is, is, bullpen arms seem to be more tricky as far as scouting and and, and 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 projecting to the next next year. Like you got a guy like Mike Myers where kind of came out of nowhere and, and did really well. And the same thing with Robles. Robles got, you know, I believe DFA'd by the Mets, and then he gets brought into the Angels and, and shuts it down for that year. What makes it so difficult to project uh, bullpen arms, especially in the major leagues?
1: Yeah, you know, but I think part of it is is the ups and downs, but even f- before you get in the game. So there's a lot of throwing. Uh, so, and like I said, it goes back to confidence in – most relievers were starters at one point, and most of them fell as starters, so then they moved down the bullpen. There is some now you're seeing a lot more in, in the collegiate level that were closers in college and end up being closers in the major leagues and the minor leagues as well. Um, it, it's. I think. It, I really firmly believe it goes down to confidence. Cause, and then a lot of times, too, we got so caught up, and I know the Angels in their pitchers got so caught up in the. Swing and miss percentages and non contact. And if if a guy a guy puts the ball in play against you, it's it's pure luck when it's an out. Well, you know what? That's why you have some of the greatest players in the world playing in the infield. You have Rendon and, and Simmons on the left side of the infield. Right. Why would you worry about contact? Mm-hmm. Those guys are going to catch everything. And Fletcher at second base. I mean, and Albert still did a good enough job. And Walsh, is an incredible fielding yeah. first baseman. Right. Right. That if you if you get contact, it's an out. And, and that's your job is to get outs, whether it's a strikeout or an out in, on the ground or in the air. So I, I, I think we're going to see that in that evolution going forward, that it's okay if somebody puts the ball in play because, you know, you just make a play. And then and all of a sudden, it's not you're lucky that somebody made a play behind you because the game has been built around incredible players playing behind you making plays. And the game's better when the ball's put in play, anyhow, in my opinion, right. but... I do like, you know, the ability to see somebody throw 101 miles an hour, get a strikeout or a nasty break a ball, yes. But, you know, and it out, and that's what I think you're going to see going forward. And sometimes, especially out of the bullpen, you're kind of rated on how many swing and misses and strikeouts you get. And that's that's, that's an unfortunate crazy. time because it forces those guys to throw, try to throw even oh, harder. Yeah. And falling behind 1-0, 2-1, I don't care how hard you throw. A hitter is going to put that ball on play on a fastball when they're looking and, and they're right. placing the strike zone against you.
5: Uh, one of the most easiest and simplest advice I ever got was when I pitched in college, and my and my pitching coach told me, "Pitch to your defense." And at the time, like I didn't know what that meant, but as I as I'm older now and I look at it, I look at games more. You know, I don't know. I, I analyze it more. I realize how important, how simple that. Like if you simplify that you get results. Um, one guy who, I, I mean, it just drives me insane because he's got such great stuff and it happens to him a lot. Is a guy like Andrew Heaney, where I feel like it gets too cute sometimes with what he's doing up there when he gets ahead of the count. Oh, two. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's in a three two count and maybe walks the guy or something. Um, where do you think? I mean, obviously you were talking about how the percentage of swing miss percentages and stuff like why 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 has that become so important now with baseball is it just the analytic side of things or or when, when did that change in your opinion
1: yeah but that's a huge part of it, is the analytic part because like i said they they base a lot of out you know with with the luck factor you know fielding independent baseball pitching i should say fip i mean you're they're basically saying okay if, and i always ask people around baseball, would you would you would you have drafted me now in this day and age? You're like, well, yeah, yeah, you had a great career. I said, no, <laughs> you're not answering their question because I was a ground ball pitcher. So, in other words, I was lucky to get it out, in their opinion, a lot of executives' opinion that I was lucky to get it out. Well, if I'm going to throw a baseball on the handle of the bat or towards the end of the bat and it's soft contact and it's a ground ball, I'm doing my job. Right. I'm not going to get a huge percentage of swing and miss unless I got myself in a situation where I could throw my slider. Right. You know, when you're a sinker ball pitcher, you look at Dustin May, how good a stuff he has for the Dodgers. He doesn't get a lot of swing and miss. He doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, but he gets outs. That's mm-hmm. all that matters. Yeah. Right. That's all that really the matters. Results,
5: so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I I I love and I've embraced the whole new world of analytics, and I think there's a lot of really cool stuff with it. And I wish I would have knew some of this stuff when I was playing instead of this, you know, go out there and compete. I and mean, that's basically the I was always told. Right. And I said, well, that was good enough for me, but if I would have had some of this information when I was playing, I might have been better, you know. So Or I might have been the same or I might have been worse, I don't know. But at least I would have loved to have had some of the information these these, these guys have now, whether you're a hitter or a pitcher. But That being said, you'd never take away the human element where that day in which you think, you know, I got to get swing and misses, I don't feel as good, or maybe I'm having an issue at home or anything, that you're not going to get necessarily all the swing and misses. So you got to find out a way to get it out. And you know, going back to Andrew Heaney, I think his stuff is excellent. There's no reason why he shouldn't have an ERA in the low threes every year of the rest of his career. But I think if he just, just realizes how good his stuff is, that it's not overly important to get a strikeout every time. Although he he piled up some strikeouts again this year, and over the last couple years he has, as far as strikeouts, Brendan's pitched, that get me a, see how many. I used to have a game I play with my, you know, I did with myself, and I also as, as a coach in high school, I would get my kids to go, Hey, how many outs can you get with one or two pitches? And it, it it's funny how because then your brains get going, the wheels get going, the motion. Right where you think, oh, okay, that's a pretty cool thing. Let me see how many outs I can get with one or two pitches. And, that's
5: super and if you do important.
1: that, yeah, yeah and then you save your best stuff. Because, you know, you look at Griffin Canning, who's got – he threw the ball well at times himself. How many times he throws all his arsenal in the first inning? Same thing with Andrew Heaney. Jack Morris and, and Dave Stewart, I know I'm going back in the day, <laughs> they didn't show you – or even Verlander, for that matter, forever, didn't show his best stuff until that fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth, and ninth innings. Because he just got you out as, as quick as possible. Preserve that out pitch that you need with a guy in scoring position, a man on third in a 1-1 game or a one nothing game or 2-1. Because if you if you have already shown the hitters in the dugout or in the on-deck circle in the first inning all your pitches, exactly how you're going to try to get them out, then what do you have to do the rest of the way? That's why you see so many pitches only going mm-hmm. two times, barely three times through a lineup, because you've already shown all your pitches that very first time through, and there's no surprise element, even though they know all the the stuff you you know you throw. But that day, you, your fastball could be moving different, your breaker ball could have a little dip, different depth on the break. Same thing with your changeup, this and that. That don't ever give away all your pitches in that very first inning, because if you if you if you've done that, the hitters have an advantage on the rest of the game.
4: And that makes total sense too when you put it that way. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I never, actually me never really playing baseball at a high level like you know johnny that makes total sense i never really thought about it but that's that's great so gooby i want to i want to thank you again for spending time last question i want to put out there all the rule changes that happened this year partly because of COVID, and some of them were already kind of in play prior to the shutdown um i'm talking you know universal dh uh the second second, second yeah the ghost runner the the seven inning double header, I know the angels had one of those um what kind of rules would did you like this year and, and maybe um continue uh moving forward?
1: I think too that I, I'm definitely hundred percent in favor definitely the universal dh definitely 100 percent behind that um i I think I'm, I'm I didn't mind a three batter minimum for relievers coming in the game. You know, because it's forced more so, you know, this season is a little bit different as far as that. It's harder to to judge it. But I think it's going to force managers to uh, leave a starting pitcher in a little bit later Mm -hmm. than than pulling the plug quickly. Uh, So I do like that. You know, the runner at second to start an extra inning game, no, I don't like that. I mean, it was cool, and I understand why. And there were some fun things about it, but I, I can't jump necessarily on board. I didn't hate it as much as I thought I was going to. So if it happened, I'd be all right. I don't love it. Um, Sevening, doubleheader, that's the one thing I, I sit back and even have been talking with, with my son about that. We all did it in, in minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not something that it's, nobody's ever seen before. Uh, anyway, but I always think of the history of the game, that you're taking away a, a, a bat from a, a Mike Trout or an Albert Pujols mm-hmm. or a Ronald Acuna or Tatis Jr. potentially, so that or maybe even two at bats, I should say, for the doubleheader. So that part I I I, I just don't like. I think if, if, in a in game like that, it really the energy level is pretty cool because because managers make decisions quicker. They, they they might run more. They might take a guy out of the game quicker. They might put a defensive replacement earlier than normal. So those things, you know, I think more of a strategy thing, seven-inning doubleheaders make it more interesting for us and I think even for fans. But I still like getting an opportunity to see when those guys get one more at-bat rather than taking that at-bat away from them.
5: Yeah, but the, the the weird thing with the ghost runner on second, too, is a guy can be pitching a perfect game and lose the game. How, how yeah. does that? That's so weird to me that a guy can get all the outs in a game and, and, and not get... You know, still pitch a perfect game and lose—that's wild. In my and I can't.
1: Oh, so you heard me talk about that? During the game. <laughs> yeah, up." Cause I, yeah. I did that. Yeah, because I, because I, I thought about that. I said, how awful would you yeah. feel if you have a perfect game going? They start a guy at second. You get a ground out, a fly out, and a ground out or whatever, or a strikeout, and that guy comes around to score, and you lose the game. It's not an earned run, but you lose on a perfect game. Now, how do you, how do you ever, when you look back at on that on the in the history books? Somebody will go. Well, how do you lose a game with a perfect game? Because a perfect game means there's been no runners on base. Period. And you did your job
5: perfectly. Right.
1: Yeah. You did everything
5: right. Yeah. That's
1: why. Yeah. They were they were pretty fortunate that that never happened because that would have been crazy.
4: One thing I one thing I thought about with that ghost runner, and and tell me if you like the idea or not. Obviously, you understand why they did it this year in the starting in the tenth inning, but I, I obviously you've done games where you're into the 17th 18th 19th inning um what do you feel about if they tweaked it a little bit and maybe started it you know in the 13th inning so you don't have those marathons but you still kind of give the the opportunity to win it in a normal way you know the 10th 11th and 12th inning
1: i mean that's always you know this year was the one year where you can experiment try anything and going forward you know what if I was, if it got beyond that certain inning, if you say, okay, if it goes beyond the thirteenth or fourteenth inning, this is what we're going to do because we don't want a twenty-inning game. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's probably, you know what. <laughs> you should have scored anyhow before then. I mean, there was a lot of games this year. Even when that ghost runner at second, I'm looking up. and go, he's still at second yeah. with three outs. <laughs> yeah. How in the world is that possible? Yep. But you know, it comes down to we're trying to a home run or whatever it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, instead of, like, guys even trying to hit a ball on the right side of the infield. I, I know there was some good defensive plays, too. I remember seeing, you know, Matt Olson making a play at first base. That was the thought process, hit a ground ball that way. But he was already making, in his mind, I'm going to make a throw to third. But as we go back to that one game against the Angels, that, that wasn't a good secondary lead and it wasn't a good jump. So yeah. it forces you to, to work on those things. And they were working on that a lot in summer camp. Yet once the actual game started... The Angels didn't do a good job with that at all, no. and all the preparation was there, but but it, that's why those those practice games amongst each other in summer camp really, as much as you like to think, helped. They really didn't because you're not you're facing your buddies, and everything's different when you're facing somebody with a different color uniform, and that's what I always thought. Once you had a different color uniform than me, I didn't like you, and <laughs> and that's what it's that's the mindset has to be. But when you're facing they got you know guys with your your buddies and your teammates, you just don't have that quite that same a ed- that edge going. So you know there were some things to do, but like I said, everyone did the same thing. So some teams executed, some teams didn't do a good job with that, but. I, you know, no one wants to see an 18- or 20-inning game. I remember we had that one game we were joking around. We were wearing those those masks when we were in Fenway Park at 2.30 to whatever in the morning, and Bobby Abreu got the hit to wins yes. the game. I mean, you don't want those games. I mean, we all love baseball. We're all fans of baseball, but I don't think anybody's a huge fan of a 19-inning game. I just don't think no. that many people are. No. So, I mean, because you invested a lot of time watching the baseball game to see who's going to win, watching 19-inning. So, yeah, I think... You know, I still believe, and they should do this, a pitch clock, I still am a firm believer in that because I I work quickly because I didn't want to think on the mound. That's one (laughs) thing I didn't want to do is I didn't want to think because the more I I was trying to think about what I needed to do, the worse I was going to be. So 20-second pitch clock, something like that would be, I think, advantageous for the game. And I think there were some pretty cool things that happened this year as far as little, you know, rule changes. I think overall in the end, it's going to make for a better game. I mean, there's, I mean, you look at the White Sox and you look at the Padres this past season. I, I, you know, and I, I definitely do not have a problem with anybody doing a backflip. I have no problem with somebody on the mound fist pumping when he gets you out. I didn't have a problem with Garrett Cole screaming at the dugout of the Rays last night <laughs> in the first inning. I mean, that's the way I played. I love energy. I love passion. Intensity. And if you have a problem with it, don't give up the home run or don't strike out, in my opinion.
4: (laughs) Yeah, that's always been our kind of like, hey, you gave up that, you know, fastball down the middle. What did you you want him to do? Don't throw a hanger. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Mark, again, thank you so much for spending time with us. Uh, I know we know that this is the time of the season where you really enjoy with the holidays so um, you know happy holidays to you and your family and yes. we're looking forward to the uh, maybe some decorational pics on your Insta- on your uh, Instagram and your Twitter coming up and obviously Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up
1: You got it guys i really appreciate it Johnny Daniel appreciate it man and I'm sure we'll be talking at some point here when the GM is hired nice and man. and uh, I have imagine. It's going to be an odd offseason. I, I don't really know 100% if they're do, what they're doing as far as the winter meetings, but I know they're going to do something where everyone realizes that they're maybe a player or two away from winning a championship. I mean, it, you know, both teams that I still I picked going into even before the start of the postseason, I thought were going into the World Series. It was going to be the Rays and Dodgers now, and now they're on that collision course because they both have depth, and the Dodgers have more talent than the Rays, but the Rays match up. The Dodgers, as far as overall depth. And I, I thought the Padres, you know, if Bellinger doesn't make that play, that, that's a whole yeah. different series. Yep. And the Dodgers haven't faced, you know, a healthy pitching staff either. So the Braves and, and the Dodgers are going to be a fun series. Anytime the Astros are involved in any <laughs> playoff series, everyone's going to be rooting against <laughs> them. That's the funny thing about it. And that was the cool thing about this whole last round of playoffs, guys. All those teams didn't like each other. The Rays yeah. didn't, and the Yankees yep. hated each other. Right. The A's and Astros hated each other. You could tell the Padres and Dodgers did, too. Oh,
5: yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: And anytime Acuna and anybody on the mound for the Marlins, <laughs> they hate each other. So I love I love that. That's what I've always believed in in sports. you got to dislike your opponent. You respect them after the game, respect them before the game, but once you're playing, you've you got to dislike them yep. and, and, and yeah. try to do whatever you can to beat them.
5: And that much more in the playoffs, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
4: So. All right, Mark, thank you very much again um, for chatting, and have a great day. You might not be able to get to the game at all this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, Divisions and championship futures now. Head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sports book experts.
5: Hey, what's up? Johnny Catfish here, ambassador for Groom Goon Beard and Body Care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did, and check out www.groomgoon.com. Groom Goon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. And at checkout, use discount code Catfish Goon, all one word, Catfish CATFISHTHEGOON, and receive 15% off your purchase. Why choose groom goon? Well, because your beard deserves it.
0: We are 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 This is
5: Hood Vicious. Listen to my show, The Punk Corner, on KJ Epic Radio, every
4: Thursday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Our partners at Manscaped are forever changing the grooming game with their Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology that helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9000 RPM motor that powers a 360 degree rotor dual blade system. Its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience and is waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. The only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium ion battery that lasts for up to 90 minutes of use. Have you ever pulled out your nose hair with your fingers? That might hurt worse than nicking your balls. Manscaped is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to delivering maximum comfort while providing hygiene. Yes, you will get a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. Look, fellas. 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. It's time to upgrade your Manscaped routine with the Weed Whacker. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's right. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code armchair. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds.
5: And we are back. Thank you to our sponsors again for helping us uh, make this possible. Uh, go check them out on, uh, you know, on their sites. I uh, also want to give a quick shout out to Archangel Pins at Archangel Pins on Instagram. Uh, they got some really cool stickers. Uh, obviously they're lapel pins, uh, just top notch, man. You know, we have, I have some here in the uh, studio up on my pin board and in the stickers. Um, I saw Dan put put him on his uh, flask. Yeah, and they look really cool on your flask. Hydro flask. Not, yeah, I, I'm not. No, 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 I'm, no I'm not, 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 a, not a whiskey flask. Yeah, no, come no. on, man. Come on. I'm, no, not, not Don't
4: let people think I'm alcoholic around <laughs> yeah, here. My bad.
5: hydro flask. Yeah. Hydro flask. <laughs> I'm
4: like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So
5: yeah, check them out. They got some really cool stickers. Rendon, Pujol, Sotani, uh, trout. trout, and I know he's going to be working on some uh, hopefully next off season. Uh, the new we do signees, hopefully, right? Get, has some right. Guys. You know, hopefully, some, uh, some pitching, maybe, maybe a Trevor Bauer sticker. I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but yeah, thank you to our sponsors again. And, um, uh, yeah, man, we had a great interview that was with, fun. with Mark Gubizah.
4: And it's funny though, too, because he was talking about some things, you know, Gooby's always so positive. Obviously, you listen to him talk on TV, he's always so positive, and to hear the kind of, Frustration in his voice when talking about this is the time they need to go yeah. get pitching. Right. This is the time where you can't rely on, well, if this guy does this. Yeah. Like to hear that kind of frustration in his voice shows, I think, um, how, how, much the Angels, you know, whoever the GM is going to be, needs to go out there and get a like you mentioned a Bauer or Strowman or, or anything like that. Right. So for him to be the kind of like that, it's like wow, you know, this needs to really change.
5: And what I really liked what he touched on was, hey, if this means that we need to get rid of some guys that we all love, then happens. Th- that means that this is important, and be, Mike Trout being in the playoffs is important for baseball. How, dude? Uh, for the longest time there. Everyone talked about how the greatest player in baseball never made the World Series is Barry Bonds. And right. He finally made it, he never won one, but how important was it for him to be? Look at that series he had but against they, the Angels. Yeah,
4: and it's not like Nuts. they lost because of him. No. Like he had a great
5: series. So, But he showcased right. what he's been doing to the world at the, on the grandest stage. And that's what Mike Trout needs to, Mike Trout needs to be where Bellinger was the other night. Just like, just like Gooby said. So it's uh, a great interview it's always fun to have him and and also you know when Victor comes on it's always just really easy we're talking about how right. how it's just having a great conversation with a great baseball mind and it was it was a lot of fun
4: right and it's funny too because he has that perspective of not only the baseball now but a great baseball mind from like you know when he played right. and when and he grew when he up watched, so, yeah so like he's, he's dropping names like yeah there might be older names but they're great examples of right. what you know needs to happen or uh type of players that you type of way of playing a game this game so yeah it's always fun having mark on and he's always been super generous and and honestly real easy to get a hold of when hey you know can we talk this weekend he's like yeah no problems like all right
5: and i think that has a lot to do with the relationship we've built with him i think every time it's it's crazy that i feel like he knows who we are you know, because it that, that
4: speaks to who he is like, you know, Oh yeah. I remember, you know, right. it's, it's an awesome, it's, well, yeah, awesome it's, it's also cool too to see him when uh, we didn't do it this year because of the COVID thing, but right. seeing him at the ballpark or even always having a in, with in him. years past, yeah. I see him at temp in Tempe for spring training right. and stuff like that. So that's, it's always fun to talk to those guys yeah. um, on here. And then, you know, obviously in person also.
5: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, with that being said, man, that's going to wrap up this show again, guys. Uh, thank you guys for listening. I know it's the off season and as soon as something happens, you know, that we'll be here to, right. to, to report on it and, and try to get, you know, the best interviews we can, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we get on a Victor or a Jose or maybe even Rhett, you know, Rhett, the uh the third member, fourth member of our of our
4: show. Yeah, I guess Chris has worked <laughs> his way back into but Chris is gonna have to make some off season appearances if he wants to continue it. he just right. kinda show up for the season yeah, and be said. like, All right,
5: I'm out. And the people love him for some reason. I don't know why you guys uh show him so much love and he always uh disses us. He big times <laughs> us. Now Chris uh Chris uh obviously this year we were working on the uh, visual side of things and he did a great job of uh there towards the end kinda incorporating the Facebook right. live and all that stuff. So we'll we'll try to get into that. Hopefully next year we'll we'll have a better, like kind of rhythm with that. And hopefully it's a,
4: a full year too. Yeah.
5: Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully we can have a more consistent kind of like uh platform to do the visual right. side of
4: it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah,
5: that. guys, the off season's always kind of weird, but we try to do our best to kind of provide you guys with some kind type of interview, some type of content that, you know, you necess- will give you your, your, angels baseball fix. And that's what we're here for. So um, thank you for your continued support. You guys have any questions, comments, or concerns for the show. Again, you guys can always email us at all angels podcast at gmail.com social media uh, twitter and uh instagram or halo underscore haven and uh yeah man just just reach out whenever you guys want to have a comment or question for the show um and uh got something coming up or actually our our uh final tally again for the Tiger cash foundation was at 523 Mm dollars um so we look for us on our social media maybe dropping some pictures uh Handing the donation over to, yeah, to, to so the Yeah, so that's going to be,
4: you know, depending on when you're listening to this, yeah. it might have already happened or it's going to happen. But right. um, yeah, so definitely check us out on our social media feed and, and we'll try to do something there with, with the donation and all that stuff. But that was that was a lot of fun this yes. year to, to kind of um, uh, track it and watch it grow. So definitely look out for something like that on our social media, um, Halo underscore Haven, like Johnny said.
5: Awesome. So with that being said, that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Uh, just... Stay subscribed, stay uh, alert on your phone whenever we drop something. I am Johnny Banks. I am Dan Garcia. You listen to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. Have you ever
0: wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how
1: to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.